Welcome to uh, Dithering. This is the, uh, what do we call it, Ben? What's the name of the uh, short version? I've already screwed up the, the intro. Well, it's interesting. It's called Dithering Preview, right. which is a distinct podcast that's available free in podcast players. Right. But one of the things we talked about last month is the integration with Spotify that is now going to sort of be possible. And so in Spotify, the free podcast will actually be intermingled with the pay podcast, which is kind of nifty. All right. And in theory, maybe we could do that with Apple, too. Who knows? Maybe not. But, you know, neither here nor there. But at least it's in the cards. Anyway, the real dithering, which you can find at dithering.fm, is a twice a week podcast that you and I do. Me, John Gruber, you, Ben Thompson. 15 minutes per episode, not a minute less, not a minute more. And two times a week. Two times a week. April 2021, things are getting back to normal. A lot of vaccination talk. So here is a preview of every episode we recorded in April. It's about 90 seconds per episode. If you want the whole thing, every episode, go to dithering.fm and you can subscribe and get the feed in your podcast player. And you get all the old episodes too, just in case you want to listen to six-month-old news. <laughs> Anyhow, here's April. April 2nd. Spotify buys locker room. I see people dunking on ideas like this and they're like, hey, congratulations, you just reinvented radio. And it's like, in a way, you're right. You get it. That's the idea. But it's so totally different. It's like saying that blogs reinvented the column. The idea, the difference is that anybody can do it and there's room for it. Like uh, most metro markets, even Philly, which is a big sports town, only has like two sports radio. And for most of my life, we only had one. It there just isn't that big a market to use up an entire station just for sports talk. Whereas there's, there's way more. You can have as many as you want. That's right. right. And, And they don't, you're not using up the precious allocation of radio airwaves where you can only have so many stations at a time. You could just have a locker room with 20 people who want to talk about the Sixers game and that's it. Yep. I find those comments absolutely infuriating just because it's it's such a it's such a paucity of imagination and sort of appreciation like the fact that oh it's you reinvented radio damn straight I did people like radio and now the fact that it's available to everyone and anyone and there can be a radio station for every niche in the world spun up at a moment's notice that's amazing that's awesome like that's what the internet makes possible and you're going to sit here and sort of mock it oh it, it like it absolutely drives me up the wall it's like, I wonder if like Gutenberg got, you know, congratulations, you reinvented the scroll. April 5th, Amazon apologizes. If you're paid to drive around in a van labeled Amazon, <laughs> right. delivering Amazon packages to Amazon customers, and you feel like you need to pee in a bottle to, to keep your job because you don't have time to drive away to, you know, find a place to, to urinate in a real toilet Uh, you know you're an amazon your amazon people are peeing in bottles um i do think though that that the sort of um and it's a problem for amazon i i think that their delivery mania is overzealous you know and i think that they really need to get a handle on it and i i and i'm i'm not trying to be touchy-feely here there's no reason for that right like you we don't need to neck the the amazon's so good at delivering stuff uh, they don't need to be as good as they are. They really don't. I, I think they need to dial it back and figure out what is the pace at which we can deliver stuff where, you know, develop, you know, drivers 
don't get urinary tract infections. I, 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 I mean, I, I think it's fairly serious. April 7th, the Tim Cook interview. I thought it was interesting that it was clearly recorded, you know, very recently. It wasn't like, you know, it was in the, in the tank, in the tank for a while, but, um, but that parlor was still one of the topics she wanted to talk about. Like parlor feels like, oh my God, that feels like 10 years ago. Well, it was just a couple weeks ago where they, they applied to rejoin the app store, right. I think, and then Apple denied them again. I mean, right. I think that, that that point's interesting, though, because Tim Cook make, said something along the lines of, oh, we wish we could have them there. Yeah. It's better to have more social networks than fewer. The, at the end of the day, the de facto outcome of requiring any social network to have a full-on moderation sort of effort is you're only going to get big social networks because like you're never going to like there's a chicken and egg sort of problem here and i don't know like uh, it was interesting that one of the arguments cook made about privacy in this interview was he's like if you don't have privacy in the way that apple defines on the internet you think less and you do less because you feel like big brother looking at you sort of thing and in the same interview he's arguing that we need more curation on the internet we need more control we need more moderation it's it's just sort of a weird it's a weird juxtaposition where those two comments in isolation, you can sort of nod your head and say, yeah, that makes sense. But then you, in combination, it's like, wait, do, do we want, do we want freedom or do we want more control and curation? Like which one, which one is it? April 9th, Apple Ari. Saying that, that Apple might be having some component shortages, you know, uh, and for their Macs, uh, Macs and, and, back, and, and iPads. Yeah. Without yeah, saying and which it, iPads. So it could be the ones that are supposed to be coming out last week yeah and it's it's interesting because the whole industry is going through this crazy sort of like chip shortage thing where and it's interesting because the, the chip shortage is like at every part of the stack like you the ones we've heard about like the automotive ones some of which are high end some of which are low end and it's it's this weird sort of thing where you know there was so much demand because of covid combined with in the auto industry in particular, they just they, they canceled all their orders because they're like, oh, man, our sales are going through the floor. We should cut all our orders. And then they come back a few months later, like, actually, orders are, are going through the roof. And and all the chip makers are like, uh, you canceled your order. You're now at the back of the line. And now they're, of course, out there, you know, whining and griping about, about how unfair it all is when it was their own own fault. But even even the high end stuff is is definitely impacted just because, like, there's just been so much stuff made. And and uh, and there's uh, these sanctions on, on Huawei, which meant Huawei was pre-ordering a bunch of stuff. And so the whole, like, the whole supply and demand has been kind of out of whack for a while now. And you would think that Apple would be the absolute last company to be impacted by it because they'll buy their way out of the problem. But then again, Apple's volumes also mean they're in some respects, you know, the most susceptible to it. Right. And, you know, at some level, even if there's nothing to buy, you can't buy your way out of it. April 12th. Substack and the Supremes. I mean, I've raised the point about Substack's lack of lock-in, you know, ages ago. Like it's 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 obviously a potential weakness. That said, I do think that convenience is always underrated. It's always underrated in yep. every single industry and in every single product. It's always underrated, and Substack is by far the most convenient. And switching all your subscribers to somewhere else is going to be very inconvenient and the the entire reason why i was glad, glad to see stuff that came along i called for a program for a product like this years ago because the, my point was gaining like a thousand true fans like a thousand people that are willing to pay you or however much the number is to make the economics work is really hard and there should be no other obstacles in the way to making that happen and and substack 
does that. That's exactly what they do for you. And, and I think there's great value in that. And the reality is, is that, you know, like inertia and status quo is a really powerful thing. E- even if you're making a million dollars in Substack, like, oh, I've got $100,000 in Substack. That doesn't seem worth it. Well, are you going to actually make it happen where you actually move to an alternative and go through all the rigmarole and figure out how to switch your subscribers over? Like, I think it's a, I think it's more of a moat than people give it credit to. Is it a perfect yeah. moat? No, not at all. But I think it's more of one that people give it, give it credit for. And, and it's, uh, you're not going to get away from some level of fees. April 16th, Marketing Matters. I linked offhandedly, not even as a full item, but to this New York Times report about uh, the, the way that these bad news, you know, about the AstraZeneca and now Johnson & Johnson are, are playing out in the public. It says here in uh, Malawi, people are asking doctors how to flush the AstraZeneca vaccine from their bodies. Like people who've already gotten it and are vaccinated for COVID, which is great. Are, are going to their doctor and asking if they can flush it from their bodies. Now, thankfully, they can't. And I'm not making fun of the people who want to do this. It's not their job to be so scientifically informed to to understand this. But it it's the way that marketing works. And I know that yeah. people people want to argue that, no, marketing is for selling Disney movies and iPhones and stuff that's not necessary. But when it's really serious stuff, it's, you know, we need to talk to people with nothing but science and facts. And it's like, no, you need marketing. You know, it's like that. Why did we print up Uncle Sam posters to get people to sign up for the army in World War II? It's not enough. Even if it is life and death, which is, with which this really is, you need to work with people's mass psychology and mass psychology is marketing. And the way they marketed this pause for the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is is just could not have been worse. April 19th, vaccinations and spring loaded. Stitched yep. together into a 60 minute show. The only thing that gives me pause was that video that I think Jaws put on Twitter where it, it's like the spring like manifest as like he's walking through Apple Park, which seemed very augmented reality ish. Uh, which, which is, I think it'd be a weird thing to announce now, yeah. but it, it was, it was kind of a very sort of evocative sort of video that he posted. I think though that what they're doing, cause you know, there's always an AR component to the invitation. Like if you go to the Apple, if you go to apple.com on your iPhone or like an iPad pro and tap to the event, there's always a thing you from, from the webpage you can launch that loads the, the event's little logo. So in this case, that little spring thing, you can load it in AR right on your device. So maybe it's just like normalizing AR, like, like just like they're normalizing glasses. Exactly. No, I, I, I was about to say, I think it's exactly <laughs> the same thing where they're just normalizing AR as like a little, you know, it's the little tchotchke that comes with these invitations. April 21st, designed in white, built in black. Uh, so <laughs> I initially saw the iMac and I was disappointed. And I'm disappointed because I use an iMac right now, and it's an incredible machine, right? And I have so much stuff plugged into it, and I have multiple screens. And it's like it, I have a full-on like professional writer, podcaster, creator setup here. Like It's, it's really completely over the top. And the new iMac is not going to be good for that, right? It, it, it's a smaller screen. It is much smaller I.O. It's basically the Mac Mini, but with the screen. But I have to say, once I actually watched the presentation, it's almost kind of like an accident 
of the way things developed that the iMac ever became so good that it was suitable for someone like me. Like it, I really should be getting what a Mac Pro or something along those lines. And the iMac is seemed like back to the way it started where it's a very family-friendly device. It's going to look great in the living room. The smaller size is actually, I think, a good thing because the current one really is quite large, That like that, that 27-inch screen. And so I think it, it's back to the spirit of what the original iMac was, and I, I think it's a great device. So I, I kind of did a 180 on it. So I think that the missing link is that the, I don't think the iMac Pro brand is going anywhere. And I think that an iMac Pro will drop later this year, maybe not at the same time, but along with the 16-inch MacBook Pro and the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Pro features. April 23rd, three podcast hats. It doesn't really make the money, but it's an interesting thing that they own the universal white pages for podcasts. I hope it's a bug. I do hope it's a bug because the alternative is that Apple realized there's no money to be made in an open world. And so they're trying to close it down. And it right now, if it proceeds as it is, and maybe because, you know, if we raise a ruckus, it will be undone. It feels like a bait and switch where for 16 years you put in things assuming that the iTunes directory was open. All you had to do is add your podcast to iTunes and you could feel confident that your podcast would appear in every other podcast player out there. And this turnaround and flip that off makes me nervous that the same thing will happen to subscriptions. That they'll say, okay, we now have a subscription offering. We don't like the fact that you have an alternative way of offering a subscription offering. I don't know. Like, I think you're probably right. But then you look at all this stuff around the app store and what they do. And I think it's a real testament to the damage the app store in particular has done to Apple's brand that. I'm even nervous about this. That's my takeaway, is that it, sh- it shows, honestly, I couldn't say it better, that it shows how detrimental their cynical, seemingly only in it for the money. This isn't a user benefit. This seems this seemingly only benefits ad- a- Apple's services revenue decision-making on a- issues X, Y, and Z over the last few years has d- damaged your opinion of them. April 26th, the integrated M1. Nobody bats an eyelash that you can install the same version of Linux on literally like a $30 Raspberry Pi computer, but that you might also install on, on a supercomputer, <laughs> on a supercomputer, something that you're running like a, a billion dollar business online and have an array, you know, in a very high, you know, not just a Raspberry Pi sitting on your desk, <laughs> but, you know, a supercomputer. Nobody thinks about that. But with somehow with PCs, with buying computers, we've, we've, we collectively, even Mac users have been locked in a mindset where, well, start with the CPU. What's that cost? Okay. And then you can kind of build a budget for the PC around that. It, it is yeah. very, very much, uh, this everything gets an M1 and that's it from Apple is really kind of crazy in that regard. Right, right. Because what, what you're driving at is the same operating system, but it scales across all kinds of different processors. Right. Where Apple's kind of like it's the same processor, but they're scaling like different form factors and operating systems around it, right? Like it's just an M1. They're all M1s. Right. And what's the most crucial thing? Like for a, a college student who's leaving in the morning and coming back late at night, the, the most crucial thing for a MacBook Air might be battery life, you know, that you, yep. you're not, you not meant to be able to plug in. Oh, but somebody else, they're going to be plugged in all day with their iMac. It's not even a portable. It's always plugged in. They want performance. Well, guess what? Same chip. April 28th, follow-up Spotify. The paid subscription platform is now out. Uh, I'm sure they 
really wish they could have gotten it out before Apple did, but but they, they came out a week later. So you will be able to use Anchor. And what's really interesting about this is Anchor is not just going to be the way to get your paid podcast onto Spotify, but Anchor is also going to support the the personal RSS feed. So you can use the service in any podcast app. So Spotify is not saying you have to use Spotify to have paid podcasts. They're saying you can use Apple Podcasts, you can use Overcast, you can use whatever podcast player you want. Their service is going to work anywhere. So I that I thought that that's that's part one. But the fact they have the RSS feeds built in, I thought was was very interesting and a bit of a surprise. So it's just RSS? No. So in Spotify, it just works because Spotify is streaming. And so in Spotify, it's going to be a better experience, I would imagine, because you don't have to go and add an RSS feed. It's just going to you know be there automatically. Spotify is limited. And you can get to the Apple part of this because they can't sell it to you in Spotify because of Apple's rules. I think that you know really speaks to Apple certainly extending their advantage in one area into another. But it will just work in Spotify. For other services, you'll have to add the RSS feed just like you add dithering currently. April 30th, Apple earnings and M1 margins. But it wasn't just mixed on iPhone. It was mixed in general. But the number one thing he said was cost savings. Yeah. That's not usually something that comes up. If it comes up, it's usually like, oh, yeah, memory prices were down or something. But he didn't say what it was. All he said was cost savings. Which makes me think about the Mac being up 60% year over year, 70% year over year, just a gang, uh, literally the best quarter the Macintosh has ever had revenue wise. And you, and apparently the M1 Macs are a smash hit. And guess what? There's a big price difference between the M1 and the Intel ones, which is that Intel doesn't get any money. That's right. It's just so interesting to me because when did the M1 go on sale? Was it uh, November, November? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have, they go on sale in November. They're in very limited supply to start. Yep. And yet you still have a little bit of a margin bump in the products category in that quarter. And the margin bump is more than the usual holiday bump. Like, like you can go back and look at the charts and it's been sort of been decreasing over time, but no, it kind of bumps up. And then this quarter, when M1 Macs are on sale for the entire quarter and the Mac is up 70%, Suddenly, product margin yep. shoots up, company margin shoots up, and you're like, wait, turns out if you pay half as much for a chip in <laughs> in your most popular computer, your margins are going to get better. And to me, it seems like the timing just lines up so perfectly. It, I can't think of any other explanation. That's It's definitely a cost saving. Yeah, this was the podcast month. We, we talked a lot about podcasts, about our paid podcasts, things that are going to impact us. And it's going to be very interesting that dithering, like we, we are not just talking about the news. We are the news. <laughs> we are creators. Word of the month. <laughs> no, but it is funny. It is. It is. Yeah, you, know, you can subscribe. You can subscribe to our creations by going to dithering.fm. You can get the podcast in your podcast player. Soon you can get it in Spotify as well, as we talked about. And uh, yeah, and we will we'll be back next month.